In today's episode, we're talking about sleepovers. If our kids are ready, if we're ready, and some of the advice for how to approach the first sleepovers. Hey everyone, welcome to the Papa Fatigue podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. With back to school in full swing, we started thinking about getting back into the school groove, and so we're talking about one of those classic kids' activities, the sleepover. But first, here's my deal. I'm Dave. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. I'm Jim. I've got two daughters, five and eight. So in doing the research for this podcast, I stumbled upon an article uh, that talked about a party planning company that does sleepovers. It's it's kind of crazy. They set up individual tents for the kids and these elaborate outdoor movie theaters. And some of these clients are paying like $10,000 for a sleepover, which is absolutely insane. I certainly never experienced anything like that as a kid. Uh, But Jim... Just to kind of get us started, I was wondering if sleepovers were a big thing when you were a child. Yeah, they, they were. Uh, I don't remember. I actually, I remember my brother having uh, sleepovers, uh, not my sister so much, but I, I certainly remember my own. I remember my first sleepover. I was, uh, I, I couldn't handle it. It was probably mm-hmm. 8, 30, 9 o'clock and I asked for my mom and uh, my dad to come pick me up. Um, but that's, that's all I remember. And then I was doing sleepovers ever since then. So, mm-hmm. um, I would think just about probably starting in maybe fourth, fifth grade, maybe we'd probably have every Friday and Saturday night, or at least one of those nights I'd sleep over at a friend's house. Oh, wow. Uh, And then in summertime, and we do a lot of sleepovers. I'd sleep over at my my friend's house, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly just for convenience sake, you know, Mm -hmm. that we were, we were out all day playing or we were going to get up early and go on a bike Mm -hmm. ride or something like that. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was less about the sleepover event and more of just like, we're doing so much that I'm just going to crash here today. Um, yeah, so I did, I did a lot of it. I have really fond memories of that. Nice. When I was younger, my best friend lived about 30 minutes away, but I used to go over there pretty often. And part of that was because his mom was a teacher at our school. So it was pretty easy on a Friday. She just, you know, grabbed both of us and we drive back to his house. And I remember a couple of things. I mean, I learned that I got car sick in her Mercedes when I puked. <laughs> reading a comic book and we're on the freeway so that was a whole thing and and i remember another time we were playing he had like a i mean it wasn't really a man cave at that point but it was a sort of a basement and we were playing with the strobe light with his sister who was probably i don't know five years older and i ran right into a support column that was the last time that was the last time we ever really played with the strobe light but it was a lot of fun up until i ran right into that beam uh, and so that was mostly like when I was younger in middle school. And I actually do remember doing a lot of sleepovers when I was older too. My, I guess what was a little bit interesting was my circle of friends. I went to a small school. And so my circle of friends, there were four of us because our graduating class was 22. So it's a very, very small school. Uh, but my closest friends were girls. So we would do sleepovers. Uh, it would be me and then three girls. And we actually did a lot of that probably from you know, 10th grade on. And, you know, I remember, you know, we kind of, there were about three houses that we would sort of rotate through with the four of us. And, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty frequent. I mean, did you, when you were doing sleepovers, were you also doing them up through high school? Yeah, up through high school, sure. Yeah, so, because I, I was like, is that a normal thing? that Like, it keeps going. So, yes, apparently it is a normal thing. So, uh, what has your kid's sleepover experience been to date? 
So the school that uh, that our daughters went to together, where your daughter still is, had this program where they do a school trip, uh, I think every year, and then called them uh, culminating in a multi multi week trip, I think, mm-hmm. um, when they get a little bit older. And so in kindergarten, there's an overnight trip at a you know local uh, ranch, and I remember thinking like, wow, that's pretty. That's it was it, it was outside the envelope for both. My wife and I, it's, it's mm-hmm. not, I mean, we weren't doing sleepovers in kindergarten or school trips, overnight school trips in kindergarten, but I was really excited for it mm-hmm. that it was a great way. I felt like it was a great way for them to gain some independence and some confidence early on. And, and you know, you start doing that stuff at an early age, then it's just not weird, right? Mm-hmm. You just right. do it early on and then that's what you do. You do overnights without mom and dad and that's fine. Uh, but our, uh, or their, their mom, uh, my wife ended up going as a chaperone, so mm-hmm. they didn't. She didn't quite have that independent experience, but it wasn't overnight with her school friends, and you know I'm sure that was fun at night. Um, and then just recently, the uh, both of our girls, the, the five year old and the eight year old, had an overnight at grandma's house, and it was uh, they had been talking about it for a long time. And then we'd start to plan it, and we'd get close to it, and they'd get kind of get cold feet. Uh, but this time they were ready to go, and and they were. It was a huge confidence boost for them. Mm-hmm. They both. I mean, they've. In the day or two afterwards, they were walking a couple inches taller and, mm. you know, it seemed just much more mature and much more mm-hmm. competent. Uh, so that gives me confidence that, you know, they're ready for a sleepover. And I could imagine that uh, for the older one, a sleepover just kind of ex- is like an extended play date, you know, and I could mm-hmm. see how she'd be ready for that. Yeah. The funny thing about that uh, that sleepover, the, the field trip you were talking about, I remember. So the class size, I think, was about 22 and they were looking for parent chaperones, right? And they only needed like seven. And I believe in a class of 22, they said that they had 44 parent volunteers for that school when they were only looking for seven. And I was in this, I was in school one day, I just dropped my daughter off and there was this line of parents. And I'm like, what, uh, what's going on? And they're like, oh, we're, we're uh, in line to get our background check. And I was like, oh, I guess we missed it because we had also, you know, we're like, well, you know, is she ready for it? It's kindergarten, so we figured it would be good for my wife to go. And we're like, oh, well, somehow we missed the selection process and they've already selected people who were there, you know, they want to do the background checks. And we found out that that actually wasn't the case. It was basically anybody who was interested in volunteering needed to get a background check as the first phase. But we decided, we had a discussion about this and we decided to sort of let the misinformation go and tell our daughter, hey, look, they, they didn't pick mm-hmm. your mom mm-hmm. and you're going to, you know, so you're going to be on your own. And so we actually did have a legitimate discussion about should you go or should we, you know, kind of just put her out there on her own? And so we made a conscious decision of like, look, she's going to be fine. And it turned out she drew your wife in uh-huh, that sense. Right. So that was, that was a lot easier to have your wife be there. But yeah, I think that I think that, that was kind of a big thing for us in saying, you know, everybody wanted to go. And then we decided, you know, actually, it's probably better to just let her go without us. And mm-hmm. And I think that that because we know that every year there's going to be one and now we have a son who's at it. And I think that we sort of come to the realization that we would actually prefer not to do any of the volunteering so that they can have a little bit more independence. I mean, our lack of outdoor experience aside, <laughs> I think it's a very good experience for the kids to, yeah, just, you know, as you point out, right, first grade does seem a little young, or it's kindergarten, actually. Kindergarten, yeah. does feel a, a little young to have that overnight experience. But yeah, when you're with your friends and, you know, there's an adult chaperone and they also have it where it's a single sex tent with the mm-hmm. same gender chaperone. So that feels also, 
safer for those kids. And, and so, yeah, we, after maybe some hemming and hawing about it, we, we made a conscious decision about that. And that was a great experience for her. We've also done one sleepover with a friend that feels like maybe that was two years ago. I mean, it was certainly before COVID, but it feels like it was, must have been first grade or the beginning of second grade. And then that friend came back over here. And so that was a lot of fun. Like we made pancakes in the morning and they make cookies together. And uh, what I actually did for her mom is I, as we kind of did fun stuff, I'd constantly be texting the mom pictures Mm -hmm. just so she kind of knew what was going on and kind of keeping them in the loop. And then like you, um, our girl, our, our girls, my son and daughter, uh, my yeah, my son and daughter have gone back and forth a few times to grandma's house. I think he's maybe only done the sleepover twice at her place. And my daughter did them when she was a lot younger. So when our son was an infant, our daughter would go over to grandma's much more frequently to the point that it wasn't a big deal. And then we sort of had this void of, I feel like a year or two. And then the last time we they had the sleepover, which was before COVID, the daughter kind of went kicking and screaming. And then, you know, once you leave, it's fine. It's like, it wasn't a big deal, but there's sort of that initial separation anxiety when you go, okay, it's time to go, bye. And you try and make it sort of as quick as possible mm-hmm. and just rip that Band-Aid off and just out the door and bye, turn and leave. But there was a little bit of hemming and hawing. But of, of course, you know, by a few minutes later, everything was fine. And, if, you know, when we went back the next morning, she's, she didn't want to come home, right? That's That's how these things work. So yeah, I think it's good for them to go back and uh, going back to school. Hopefully, we'll we'll start to get maybe a few more of the uh, sessions, the sleepovers, in. certainly as, as sort of COVID, well, Delta. Hopefully, as as Delta sort of starts to slow down, which is hopefully not too much longer, but the kids can maybe start going back and and doing sleepovers again. You know, it's an interesting thing about the the I hadn't thought about that as far as sleeping over when I was a kid, and you know, we had to pick up the phone and. Use the rotary dial, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mom yeah. and dad. And uh, I mean, you make a really good point that there's there's a m- lot more transparency, or there can be a lot more transparency and a lot more communication uh, among the parents, and then eventually with the with the kids too. I mean, my daughter doesn't have a phone. I hope she never does, but she will eventually. And uh, I mean, that kind of communication, that kind of open channel, I think would give me a lot a lot of assurance that uh, uh, in. in instead of just sort of that black hole that maybe it right. was when I was growing up. So I hadn't thought about that as far as parents sending photos and updates and all that, and just kind of as a, as a courtesy to the other parent, as far as giving them some assurances. Yeah. And I think also one of the nice things is, is to be able to FaceTime or, you know, have sort of like virtual where you can see each other. And if you're a little bit concerned, you can see your child's face and their expressions mm-hmm. and okay, she seems relaxed or he's right. right. Everything seems fun. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't look like a hostage video. All right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything feels good over there. So yeah, there's, there's a ton of ways to put yourself at ease. I think for those first sleepovers. Yeah. So has your daughter been asking, I mean, it sounds like things went really well with grandma. My guess is they've been asking for more sleepovers with grandma has she been asking about sleepovers with friends and like, can I have this kid over or can I go over to this kid's house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's gone far enough. Or she and her other friends have gone far enough to kind of planning it out conceptually mm-hmm. and start to talk about it. And then, you know, the parents got to figure out how to make it happen. Uh, but we hadn't yet. And she's still interested in sleepovers, but you know, we've, uh, we've since moved to a different school. And so we're, you know, kind of to get another community together and, and get to know the, um, the other kids in the class. So I think it may be a little while before, uh, before we're at that sort of comfort level where there there could be some sleepovers with with the new friends, 
uh, there's still the possibility of sleepovers with the uh, with the old friends, despite you know our being uh, a little bit further away than we were before. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's the the older one. Certainly, she's ready for it. The younger one, I don't think she really quite understands the concept yet. But the the older one is, um, yeah, I think that she'll she'll find the right moment. She'll be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for us, the last year we certainly started to hear more about the sleepovers, and yeah, I mean, our daughter is organizing with her friends and. Actually, towards the end of the school year, one of her friend's parents was like, hey, you know, are you comfortable with having your daughter come over? And, you know, we at the time, I think we we were it was sort of as things had kind of calmed down. But we decided, well, you know, COVID's still out there, but we're all vaccinated. But, you know, let's kind of see how it goes. And and also what we know about them is that they would prefer to have our daughter go over there. I guess they're. They're open to having people come over, but they're not yet ready for their daughter mm-hmm. to uh, come over elsewhere, which is fine. And I mean, that's great for for our daughter to have that experience. But I think part of where it works is that we've had some time to get to know them. And also they have picked up uh, my daughter after school a couple of times like, oh, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll pick her up and you can come pick her up at, you know, five or six o'clock. And so she already has some familiarity with the house and the older sister who is a few years older than our daughter and also you know i've been in the house just to pick up the you know my daughter and, and spent a little bit of time with the with the family so that it feels like that's you know um pretty good you know I, I i do wonder when it comes time to sort of put up or shut up with with the sleepovers if you know having spent all this time in this covid bubble where we're kind of on top of each other all the time if she'll have a little bit of separation anxiety mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of feel like that's actually more likely with uh, grand with the grandparents than with a friend, where she's just going to be like, "That's exciting," you know. And and mm-hmm. it's more like I think with friends, it's like, "Okay, you've dropped me off. Now get out of here. We're going to start our party," <laughs> right? Versus the grandparents, where there's a little bit more sort of familiarity the whole thing, and it's maybe not as as unique or special. And it and and they're you know she might feel like, "Oh, well, you're just trying to." get rid of me for the weekend or something like that. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see when the time comes. You know what I'd remembered uh, in just in our conversations that we did do a, a trial sleepover where we, we did like a, like a pre sleepover where the girls got in their pajamas. They went over there, they watched mm. TV, they got all the way up to bedtime. And then, you know, it was our wife's, our, uh, our daughter's decision. You know, do you want to go ahead and stay or mm. do you want to come home? And at the, at the last moment she decided she did want to come home. Uh, which was fine, and I'm glad we did that because then she had the, sort of the, the the evening sleepover mm-hmm. party experience. But you know she wasn't comfortable enough sleeping over, so we just came and picked her up mm-hmm. uh, without it being like uh, an aborted mission. It was mm-hmm. more you know it's, we get to that point, and then it's her option: does she want to mm-hmm. continue, or does she want to go home? And she wanted to go home, and that was fine. So that was that's about the closest we've come to a sleepover, and I think it was a good a good half measure. And I think it gave her an idea of what it was like. And now, I think when we do the next sleepover, I think I think she'll be much more comfortable. Yeah, I like that as a transition of just sort of mm-hmm. getting somebody ready to, and then hey, like if you're if you're ready, we're we can leave, and if you're not ready, we'll just well I'll go home. It's no no big deal. Yeah. I like yeah, that. We, we had talked about doing uh, like a like a movie night, like a you know pajama mm-hmm. movie night with some of the other families, just for exactly that reason. You know, let the let the girls get together, mm-hmm. uh, put the sleeping bags out on the floor, and watch a movie in their pajamas, and then you know mm-hmm. maybe that's it. Maybe that we just yeah. call it a night. You know, nice. Which is still special being exactly. in the pajamas yeah. in somebody else's house and having the movie night. That's nice. We were just over to Fred's house and they were saying that they had some other friends over and then, you know, they were having fun. And then the afternoon turns into the evening and they stuck around for dinner. 
And they're like, well, you may as well just spend the night at our house. <laughs> so they spent the night and then they went hiking. And then again, the next day turned into a hike and then dinner. And they're like, well, you may as well just crash here again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that's insane that you just sort of randomly had people over for like 48 hours. I'm not sure that I'm like that chill about things, but certainly some uh, sleepovers are a little bit less planned than others. <laughs> wow. But if you are planning some sleepovers, here's uh, some advice that we actually found from the Alliance for Children. And there are a few points that they think are, are sort of worth mentioning as you plan for sleepovers. The, the first one is meet the parents, you know, ensure that the adults are prepared to be with the children right, the whole time that your child's going to be there and ask if there are going to be any other adults that might be coming into the home while your child's there, just so you kind of have a sense of, you know, the other adults that your child is going to be interacting with. Uh, number two, ask if older children or adolescents will be in the home and what the sleeping arrangements are going to be for the kids. You know, 40%, according to them, 40% of children who are sexually abused are abused by older children. So certainly that's something to be cognizant of. Uh, number three, check the sex offender registry to verify that the people your child may encounter are not registered sex offenders. Also, if possible, visit the home to ensure that the environment is safe and healthy. You know, ask if there are any weapons in the home. And if there are, ensure that the weapons are secure and not accessible to children. The next point is have a safety talk with your child about their private parts and their, their authority to say no to uncomfortable situations. Plan to call and check in on your child during the sleepover. Uh, allow your child to call you at any time and let your child know that he or she will not be in trouble for contacting you. Create a code word for your child to use on a text or a phone call if they're in an unsafe situation and need a discreet way to tell you if they're unsafe. And the last one is never force a child to stay somewhere they are uncomfortable. And you know, what I find interesting about a few of these also is that some of them are sort of not things that you can sort of do off the cuff. Like, okay, you're, you know, you're just about to uh, go to your friend's house. Let's talk about our private parts and, you know, how to, how to handle that. Some of these, you sort of, you know, you kind of need to lay the groundwork before you're ready to have that sleepover. And I think some of these also can raise some points of um, sort of awkwardness as you're dealing with other parents. Like, you know, Jim, we've talked about this thing where, you know, I read an article where this, this woman was like, yes, I never allow my child to go over to a house without asking if there's a weapon in the home. And it's not something that I had ever thought of until I read this woman's, uh, you know, this, this article. And I'm like, I don't, I guess I'm not even sure where to begin that conversation. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, the best way to do it is just to have the conversation, right? It's a conversation. It doesn't, doesn't mean that anybody should be offended one way or the other, but some of these things you kind of have to figure out how to have those conversations. I mean, certainly the things about maybe the older children or adolescents might be a little bit, you know, touchy. Like, well, do you think my older son or older daughter is going to do something to your kid? So, you know, some of these are kind of interesting in like how you handle them. You know, what are your concerns about having or, or requirements even about having sleepovers? My question to these sort of situations are what's the worst that could happen? And that's mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're talking about a sleepover, it's a lot of variables that could go wrong. Yeah. And and I agree these uh, a lot of these conversations are not comfortable. And I'm not sure that I I'm not sure that I would have those come I'm not sure that I'd ask parents if there's a weapon yeah. in the home. But you know, I mean the weapon in the home, uh pools, uh the mm-hmm. you know, the older children, statistically 
you know, you you think my older son's going to molest you? Well, statistically, you know, that's <laughs> that's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. So it, it I don't know, and I think those are questions that I I think it depends on context. You know, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that I'll have relationships with these parents or these families outside of you know just meeting them to and from mm-hmm. at school. In which case, I'd know if there was reason to ask those sorts of questions. And if I've got to ask those sorts of questions, maybe they're maybe they're not having the sleepover. So. I think it's just an overall comfort level that, I mean, hopefully, intuitively, you know, I'd have a sense of whether or not it was going to be a safe situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the the Alliance for Children kind of nails the the high points, and I think that I think that communication is probably going to be the backstop. You know, knowing that, you know, really, uh, training is not the right word, but letting my daughter know that she can or should call me mm-hmm. uh, at, at the moment that she's even the slightest bit uncomfortable and maybe we just talk it out on the phone or maybe we, we pull the plug on it. Uh, and really it's just about, you know, having having my child or, you know, conversely, we haven't really talked about that either, but having another child in, in my home and just taking that responsibility and and what what is it like to be a child in another family environment and, mm-hmm. you know, what is that going to look like? What do I anticipate that would feel like for my daughter and, and whether or not it's something that I'd be comfortable with overall. Yeah, it does feel like some of these um, pieces of advice, I think, you know, if you've had a sort of longer term relationship with the parents, some of them you don't necessarily need to ask, but I do understand where they're going with this. And, and certainly a, if you don't really know the parent, yeah, this is like a great checklist. But then if you don't really know the parent, I'm kind of like, to your point, like, is that maybe the right time to have a sleepover? Maybe you need to have some play dates before you're ready to pull the trigger on the sleepover. And, you know, maybe it's let's have five or six play dates. And then then let's see, you know, if I, if I feel comfortable, let's have the sleepover. But I think that that's a it's a it's a good point that you bring up and yeah some of these are a little bit difficult to tackle and and some i don't know that you necessarily need to tackle if you feel if you feel like you really know those parents very well you know that being said there certainly are those instances where you're like you know this was a family friend and you know we've known them all our lives and it turns out this person had been molesting my child for you know all this time Mm -hmm. and i do think that part of it starts with that point that they talk about is this, you know, again, this privacy, uh, the private parts and the authority to say no to uncomfortable situations, right? I think a lot of this is we sort of have to have our children prepared to understand what's, not to understand necessarily what's going on, but to trust in their emotions that, hey, I'm not happy, like, I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on here, but I don't feel right. And to let them know, okay, well, you know, we have to then figure out the, the difficulty certainly for us is that in that situation, you know, our kids don't have phones. So now you're sort of reliant on getting outside communication. Right. But, but I think at a high level, it's teaching the kids to go with their gut and say, something doesn't feel right. And I need mm-hmm. to get out of here. And then maybe what it is, is that, you know, like this code word, they need to say, Hey, you know what? My mom said that I had to call exactly at this time. And if I don't call, she's going to get upset. Or, you know, sort of give them a line that they can feed an adult in that house that would then allow them to call you and then use that code word to say, hey, it's, you know, whatever time to pick up or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that situation is. And, you know, I th- but I think that we need to arm our kids with, we need to empower our kids to say, hey, it, you know, it's 
you don't need to spend the whole night. If something feels off, mm-hmm. get out of there. Like, uh, there's no problem. I'll pick you up. No problem at all. And hopefully if, if, if they're armed with that, then we can both feel confident, not just the child, but th- that we also, mm-hmm. that our child is empowered and is making responsible decisions. And that, you know, uh, this goes back to sort of uh, some conversations we've had about just trusting our kids and sort of giving them the the basis for making these decisions and then trusting that they will go with their gut and 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 that what we've done has has prepared them for these situations it's a really interesting way to think uh, to to look at it or to think about it what i'm what i'm imagining is like this is game day you know like all the books that we've read and all the conversations we've had with uh, with our children about about safety and private parts and you know what to do when you when you're unsafe and what is it the uh, the safety rules Mm-hmm. All of those things, like this is that's this is why we're doing that, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing that mm-hmm. thing so then when they are in that situation, when it's game day and they're at a sleepover, do they, you know, have they mastered those tools and enough to keep themselves safe? And I think mm-hmm. looking at it from that perspective, I'm suddenly much more comfortable with it. And I think we've we've given them a lot of tools and a lot of um, a lot of education about how mm-hmm. to how to be safe and how to take care of themselves. And I think this is this would be the time where it's, when its application would be most important. And, and I think that that would work out just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think at a high level, you know, we are all sort of concerned about the same things, pools, weapons, those kinds of things. And, and certainly knowing the parents well, I mean, those are sort of my, not red lines, but, um, you know, I think that probably knowing the parents well to me is probably the number one indicator of whether or not I feel comfortable. I probably wouldn't. You know, even if it's a, even if it's a child that she's been with at school, because at our school they're still mixing up the kids. And I, you know, I was looking at our class list this year. I'm like, I don't even know half these kids, and it's entirely possible they've all been together for the last four years. We just haven't crossed paths. That being said, am I willing to let her have a sleepover with a kid who maybe has been in the same school for the last four years without knowing their parents? No, not yet, right? And and I think that that's the big piece. So it's to me, it's have we trained our kids a and given them the tools and b how comfortable do i feel with this family as people and as as a steward of my child for the next whatever 24 12 24 hours whatever it is that you know that they'll be a proper steward of my child and 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 i think if the answer to those are both yes then we should feel pretty good about saying okay have a fun time and i'm not going to stress it at all i'm not even going to worry she knows what to do and I trust these parents and those two things are the biggest things that, that I can do to have her prepared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts, if any, on co-ed, you know, boy-girl sleepovers? Yeah, I'm not comfortable with that, but I am, <laughs> I'm ready to hear you persuade me otherwise. I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure that I'm necessarily comfortable with with it and and the reason this question came up is my daughter was just hanging out with some family friends just yesterday and she came back and she said these guys are coming over to our house and i'm like what well, this is news to me and i asked my wife she's like yeah that there there was never like those were the kids talking to each other none of the parents had said anything and i was like hmm, yeah i'm not sure how to think about this and i guess part of it for me was that as i sort of mentioned at the top that in high school I had a bunch of, you know, all of my sleepovers were co-ed because at that point my best friends were girls. I didn't have any real close male friends at that point. And so, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do, whether it's 
whether your parents are home or not. It, it's a little bit different maybe as you're in high school, right? Because you have a whole bunch of sort of different issues to deal with when you're in high school. You know, as we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, just as we were prepping, the concern that you have about sort of the curiosity and, and getting into that eight or nine about curiosity and, and bodies and things like that. And I wonder if part of it is also that I have not, I don't want to, downplay is not the right word, but because I have kids of both genders, I guess I don't think about it as much because just this, you know, my, my son will run around the house naked, right? So it's not like my daughter's never seen male genitalia. Uh, because that's what the kids do sometimes and vice versa, right? Like it's usually actually, it's not just one kid running around naked. It's usually both kids running around mm -hmm. naked if they're going to run around. So like, that's the thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I hadn't really thought through the whole like, yes, p kids are naturally inquisitive. There's nothing wrong with that, of course, but it does get complicated when they act on that. And so, yeah, I mean, initially I was like, eh, it's probably okay, but I... You know, talking to you earlier. Now I'm like, well, maybe it's not okay. And I, I think that part of it too, as we we talked about in terms of maybe what makes us feel a little bit more comfortable in sleepovers is if I, in a co-ed situation, if it was just one boy and one girl. So actually, first of all, I think I I think that maybe a group of kids is a little bit different, right? So if it's like three boys and two girls, or two girls and three boys, or whatever, where there's multiple kids that might make me feel a little bit better. But I think the the bigger thing is probably that if the kids are in a, um, a sort of public room, like a living room, if they're sleeping in a living room, I may be a little bit less concerned about things happening. But I am, I am starting to question my... I mean, I wasn't like fully in the camp of like, yes, co-ed sleepovers <laughs> are fine. But I am starting to question... That and I certainly, you know, it's it's not even something that we've talked about. I haven't even talked to my wife about it, so she absolutely could be like, "Yeah, that's never happening." And okay, that's fine if she's not comfortable with it. All right, end of story. We, you know, we haven't discussed it. And this literally was a question that our daughter popped up within the last twenty four hours. So I haven't given it too much thought. But yes, without having talked to you, I was like, "It's probably okay." But having talked to you now, I'm like, mm, "It's it feels a little bit more on the fence now." Well, there's the cost-benefit analysis, right? I mean, there's certainly some things that could go sideways. And yes. And what are, what are they gaining? I mean, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, it doesn't seem, they can hang out with those boys at another time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just... I, yeah, I, I guess I would also say that for the time being, I don't, I don't really think it's going to come to fruition anyway, because for starters, it's two boys and I'm not having two boys in the house because now all of a sudden there are three boys in the house and that just feels like a recipe for disaster to have four kids and three boys running around this house, which is not very big. So I think for just logistically, it's probably not going to happen. And, but besides these boys, my daughter's mostly friends with girls at school. Like these guys don't go to our school, they're family friends. So, you know, in terms of the school situation where it's actually much more likely to happen, she's mostly friends with girls. These actually, these guys also live 30 miles away. So this is another piece that it's, it's probably more likely that it's not going to happen. Although this is the family that had the impromptu 48 hour sleepover. So, you know, you just, you never know with them. But uh, yeah, I, I think that if, if there was like a legitimate parent coming to me and say, Hey, would your daughter like to come over to my son's house for a sleepover? I'm not clear that I would be as, as nonchalant as we are on this call. I think certainly 
her going over there is a little bit more problematic than him. I'd, I'd probably be more open to a boy coming here, but I'm still not clear that I am okay with it yet. <laughs> you wait one year and you're not going to have to have this, this debate anymore. <laughs> it's true. Yes. Probably in a year from now, it'll be a, hard yeah, we no. don't even, we don't even have a discussion. It's a, it's a hard no. We're moving on. <laughs> So um, do you have any thoughts on COVID sleepovers? Does, does COVID and what's going on change kind of how you think about sleepovers? I don't think so. The, any kid that the, that's going to have a sleepover, uh, either here or there, they're probably going to, they're going to, the girls are going to be spending time together with them anyway, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's school or extracurricular activities or whatever it is. And so I'm not so worried about that. And then, you know, if they're exposed to the kid, the kid's exposed to the parents. So it still feels like there's, mm-hmm. you know, enough tentative, it doesn't feel like a huge risk. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, that doesn't concern me very much. Do you, do you ask if they're vaccinated before you have the kids go? Good question. I, I hadn't thought about that. Um, no, that's funny. Cause I just assume that everyone is, but that's certainly not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that's worth asking about. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I think you're right. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, our kids are mixing with these kids anyway. Now that being said, we are in a place where, our school, I, I don't know about your school, but our school is still going to be masked up this year. I assume yours is too, yeah, probably. Is. Right. So, you know, the, the kids, they, yes, they are interacting, but they are masked up. And I, you know, the only difference to me then would be at the sleepover. I'm not going to be asking somebody's kid or my kid to sleep with a mask on for eight, 10 hours. Like, I, I just don't even think you could do that anyway. So that to me is sort of the one place where I vacillate back and forth is that, you know, certainly indoors, you're supposed to be masking, but these kids and their family are sort of probably technically part of our bubble since, you know, if if our kids are close enough to be wanting to have a sleepover, well, then they're clearly spending a decent amount of time Mm -hmm. at school. They're probably eating lunch together, which is when you can't really mask up while you're eating. So, you know, there's, uh, yeah, I think it it feels like they're probably, the, the risks are probably not that much greater. Although again, I my hesitation is the sleeping period, and I would certainly ask if the parents are vaccinated. We so the the parents that did ask um, if our daughter wanted to go over for a sleepover, they said, you know, by the way, we're vaccinated. So I, I kind of feel like it's one of those things where if you're going to ask somebody, it's it's maybe a nice gesture to say what your vaccination status is. Is my guess, um, and so that's what they did for us. And I think I would assume, you know, if our daughter was, you know, had a fever or wasn't feeling well, I would certainly call the parents, well, you know, sleepovers off and she's mm-hmm. feeling sick. I would assume that there'd be a reciprocal. Yeah, you'd think so. The other parents. And, and if there isn't, maybe that's, you know, rather than, than talking about vaccination, just is anybody in your family sick or have they been sick recently? You know, not quite yeah, the I... checklist that you get when, you know, you go into an establishment or something like that, a doctor's office, but, you know, just everyone healthy. And then maybe that's enough. Yeah. I mean, my guess is, is that probably people of similar vaccination thoughts are of similar risk thoughts, right? So people Mm -hmm. that are, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're, if you're talking, if you're going to have a sleepover with another, if you're a vaccinated parent and you're having a sleepover with another vaccinated family, there probably is a similar level of risk tolerance of saying, okay, you know, this, this is my risk tolerance. We probably are at the same level. If you're unvaccinated, if you're two unvaccinated families, again, you probably have the same risk tolerance. So my guess is, unless you're going from like an unvaccinated to a vaccinated, 
you're probably in line with the same level of um you know ways that you're thinking about it and and the same sort of safety requirements that you have i mean that being said you know i think among our friends i'm probably one of the more cautious you know we're all vaccinated but I, still within that i'm still probably one of the more cautious but i think in generally speaking in general terms right so that yes i i would expect that you know if you were dealing with another vaccinated parent and they their child had a fever or if somebody else in the family had a fever they'd pull the trigger and say you know what let's let's just wait till next weekend that's my guess we hope you found today's episode informative if you'd like to support the podcast and hear more discussions around fatherhood please subscribe and drop us a review if you have any questions, hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash papayfatigue. That's P-A-P-A-E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E. Thanks for listening. <laughs>